0: Welcome back to episode 284 of the InSquash podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Gibson, and uh, it goes without saying, it's been a huge week for the game of squash, and and one which uh, I, for one, and I don't think many of you either, Felt that we'd ever see uh, squash being chosen as one of the new sports for the 2028 LA Olympics. And it's uh, pretty much all signed, sealed and uh, just about ready to be delivered. Uh, as soon as they sign on that line that is dotted a huge con- uh, congrats to everyone involved as um, you know, the topic of Olympic uh, inclusion is one that sort of a, you know, you don't want to really discuss in squash uh, these days. Anyways, it just gets everybody, uh, Uh, depressed and uh, you know it it has been a depressing one for the for the last 15 to 20 years because we all know uh, that squash is uh, more than deserving of being uh, included uh, as an Olympic sport and I think um, you know over the last uh, 10-15 years it's been one of these conversations where why bother waste your time uh, discussing it because uh, it's just depressing and you know I No one can get their head around why Uh, we weren't uh, ever included. But now we are. And uh, hats off to those at the WSF and so many others that I'm sure have been working uh, tirelessly uh, behind the scenes. And, uh, they, yep, they deserve huge props uh, for pulling this one off. Now, I first really heard of murmurings of this uh, maybe about a month ago or or so. Uh, I think it was Squash Radio's uh, William Buckingham. Uh, big Billy Buckingham, and uh, he told me several weeks ago that we might make it. And, uh, you know, at that time, no no disrespect to Bill, but, uh, you know, I didn't really pay it any mind. And then, lo and behold, last week, here we are. Here the freak we are. We finally made it. And, uh, you know, I think this lit a fire under a lot of the players. I guess it would light a fire under uh, any young player who has aspirations to represent their country and uh, the Olympics would be the pinnacle. So this is really it's going to be interesting and and great to watch how all this plays out over the next several years. Uh, Who's going to be there representing their countries? It's going to be fascinating. Uh, Maybe JP will come out of retirement and uh, get himself fit and fit. Uh, take on the world again. Uh, But, uh, yes, squash uh, at the U.S. Open this week has been fantastic. And, um, you know, in the ladies, as predicted, uh, Hanya El-Hamami, the top two seats, Hanya El-Hamami and El- uh, Nor El-Sherbini into uh, the final. Hamami uh, cut off Amanda Sobe's uh, phone service last night with a comprehensive win. And Nor El-Sherbini took out uh, the other American hopeful, um, Olivia Feichter, in a, in a hard-fought 3-1 victory. And uh, Norrell Shabini, I mean, she's just, uh, she's absolutely amazing. I don't know uh, how many of the, the last uh, of the finals that she's been in in a, in a row, uh, but it's got to be like five or six of the last. Uh, she's been in the last five or six finals, at least, uh, or, or close to that. She's by far right now the best player in the world. But uh, Hania is on her heels, and we'll see how this all plays out in the final. Nor brings a, a different level uh, to uh to the finals, as we all know, she seems to step her game up uh, regardless of who she's playing. It could be Noran, it could be Hanya, whoever it is, uh, whoever, whatever they bring to the table, Nor uh, knows how to rise to the occasion. And uh, on the men's side, speaking of rising to the occasion, Ali Farag, unbelievable, another final. Uh, there's no question that he's the best player in the world right now, maybe five of, of the last six finals he's been to. And uh, last night he had the snatch victory from the Jaws of defeat over an inspired Tarek. Moment Uh, Tarek uh, always seems to be there in these in these big events. Played extremely well last night and gutted for him for not you know cashing in when he did have match ball. But uh, Ali, he's got to beat you. Got to beat the best to be the best. You got to beat the best. Isn't that what they say? And uh, Ali is the best player in the world right now for good reason. Uh, He took that match ball and, uh, you know, saved it and then went on to win the match. And he'll be playing Paul Cole, who was very... Very impressive last night, taking out uh, Diego Elias uh, for the first time in quite a while for him. And that that was an interesting match to, to watch it play out because Diego played very, very well in that first game. He played like we know he can play. But then uh, PJ's keen eye, Paul Johnson's keen eye, in between games, in between one and two, uh, he def- he noticed how, uh, how heavily um, Diego was breathing in between games. And I think that was uh, the, the key. I mean, he was never really the same after that first game. It was a long game, some long rallies, some great rallies, but, uh, you know, Paul uh, came back and and seemed to play, uh, you know, he just got better as the match went on, I think, and uh, Diego certainly did not, I mean, he didn't play badly, he played really well in in some parts of that match, but he couldn't sustain uh, the level that he had in that first game throughout the rest of the match. If he could, if he could have done that, uh, we probably would be seeing him in the final against Ali, but... So it should be two great finals, Cole Farag, El Shabini, Hamami. Now, speaking of great, uh, episode 284 is definitely great. We have today on none other than Declan James, and uh, I want to say this is his third appearance on the pod, and he stepped up and delivered once again. Obviously, uh, he's been missed on tour, and it's been, uh, I'd say, almost, I want to say almost a year uh, yeah, I think it was November when he ruptured his Achilles uh, last November. He takes us through uh, how he handled that horrific injury. And uh, I'm going to be having Jesse Engelbrecht uh, of The Squash Mind. Uh, he'll be on in a few weeks' time. And uh, I know Jesse would be more than impressed with uh, how Declan laid out uh how he went about things in terms of his mindset uh, to get through it all and, and to get him to a place where now uh, he can uh, return to tour and start playing again. Uh, actually, Declan made his return uh, to the PSA tour last week uh, in Qatar. He lost 3-1 to the young uh, number 68 in the world, Ali Hussein. Ali's, uh, you know, he's not... Uh, you know, knocking at the door there, or anything in the, into the top 20. Uh, but he's had a few wins over the over the last little while, uh, so it's not a, not an easy match for Declan uh, to return to. But uh, I'm sure uh, he felt pretty happy with with the way things played out. I spoke to him. Uh, we messaged just briefly after the match, and he came away from it unscathed, and he's ready to rock on. So uh, we talk about. Uh, we talk about uh, the upcoming tournament. We spoke just before he was uh, due to play in Qatar. and We also talk about the 2022 Commonwealth Gold Medal performance he had alongside uh, James Wilstert and, and where that ranks amongst uh, his achievements achievements in the game. And we talk about much, much more. But before we get into it, first, let's talk about Open Squash, the New York based nonprofit dedicated to bringing thousands of new people into the sport by making it more accessible and more affordable for everyone. In fact, it's their vision that is something everyone in, squ- in the squash world should be proud of, to make the game of squash and all its health and social benefits accessible to everyone at all levels and from all walks of life. So why don't you take part by visiting their homepage just to check out how you can donate, just to see what, what uh, you have to do and, and what it's all about. A donation allows them to offer discounts on memberships, junior academy tuition, and junior summer camps to qualifying adults and kids. So. In other words, uh, they'd like you to come and visit the www.opensquash.org and just take a look around and see what it's all about. So if you're interested in looking into that, visit www.opensquash.org to check out the various ways you you can contribute to their goal, growing the game. So let's get this show on the road. Declan James, great to see him back on court again. Here he is on episode 284. How's everything with you? It's great to see you and, and uh, I mean, for, you know, being a fan of you, I, I loved watching you play when you were on uh, back on the tour, uh, and it was great to see uh, the footage of you sort of getting back on court and playing and, and really training hard. Um, I wasn't really sure what had happened because there wasn't a lot of – pub, at least not from my side, I didn't really see a lot of uh, publicity on what another PSA put out a statement um shortly after what happened but then it got a bit quiet and I, m- I must have missed it so um anyways good to see you back on court and uh, how's everything going for you right now
1: yeah well thanks for uh, having me back it's good to be uh, here catching up with you again um so yeah it's been uh, it's been a pretty interesting year so uh, snapped the achilles back in november of last year so a full rupture there of the achilles um the day before I was due to fly out to Hong Kong, actually, for the platinum um, at the end of last year. Literally, the day before, I was playing a Surrey Cup match. Um, and yeah, I was, I was playing uh, Charlie Lee, uh, my uh, compatriot. And yeah, third or fourth game, I think it was, you know, just went snap. Um, down onto the ground straight away uh, kind of knowing this is uh this is pretty bad <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah operation 10 days later looked after unbelievably well uh, a wonderful team medical team um operation down in london and so yeah the last year has just been recovery rehab getting back into training getting back on the court and uh yeah it's been a, it's been a good year it's been a good year as. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm positive about everything and uh, I'm obviously looking forward to getting back on the
0: tour. Absolutely. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of the impression I got is uh, uh, everything is you know you're you're taking everything in stride and you know you obviously the it must have been a bit difficult to swallow there the first uh, little while after it happened though
1: yeah I mean a lot of people said to me what was your mindset like and uh you know we kind of down uh was there a sort of period of darkness uh, around it and but the honest truth is that I wasn't I didn't allow negativity to enter my mind for one second really which probably sounds a little bit strange but as soon as it happened I knew what I'd done in terms of you hear the stories there are um some of the top players on the tour have done it. Um, Amanda Sobey, I think Joel might have done it as well. Um, so you hear the stories, you kind of know um, what it sounds like in terms of, you know, when, when you do it, what it feels like. So there wasn't really any uncertainty. Sometimes if you get a bit of an injury and initially you're not sure how bad it is or good it is or how long you're going to be out, the uncertainty can be quite sort of demoralizing because you're waiting then to see the physio, to see the doctor, to have the scan, to find out if you're out for a week or a month or what the deal is. With this, I knew straight away, um, you know, I couldn't obviously put any weight on my left foot. So I knew, okay, i 90% snapped my Achilles. I know that I'm going to be out for the next nine months, uh, that it's going to be a long journey back. But because I knew that straight away, I was really at peace with it um, from the get-go. You know, there was no. Uh, I was never going to sit around and start feeling sorry for myself because uh, these things happen um, to athletes. So it's one of those things. So I was very positive, positive from from the start. I felt pretty stoic about the whole thing and just viewed it as an opportunity to um, to explore other things in life and to also at the same time. Um, go back and and unpack my game and take everything Mm -hmm. to pieces and start again and and say, well, look, I'm going to have a long period of time now where I can analyze what I've been doing well, what I've not been doing well and how I can improve. And then I'm going to have a lot of time where it's all low level stuff, getting strong again in the gym, getting back on the court and doing solo practice, doing routines where there's not going to be any movement. So I'm just focusing on, you know my technique and my ball striking, so it's given me a really good opportunity to go back to the drawing board. So you know I'm uh, I'm grateful for that in many ways.
0: Yeah, uh, you'd reached uh, I think was it uh, 15 in the world back in two in 2019, and uh, yes, yeah. during right uh, in November when this happened in 2022. I'm not sure what your ranking was, but uh, I guess uh you know. Giving you the opportunity, like you said, to unpack. Was it the opportunity to say, okay, this is uh, you know my game is here. It was there. Uh, now let let let's look back and and see what I can do to get back to maybe 15 or you know just to be a better version of what I was before this happened.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, i would had a couple of pretty poor seasons by my own standards. 2019, it was uh, 2018 and 2019 were, were good years. I was improving. I was climbing the rankings. 2020, of course, we had the COVID situation, which I didn't handle particularly well in terms of I didn't enjoy the game. Uh, I didn't enjoy the restrictions that we had in place, the going away, the masks and the distancing and not being able to train properly and the lack of crowds which was the same for anyone else by the way I don't use that as an excuse I just wasn't good enough and didn't um, uh, and didn't adjust to those 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 situations and just didn't enjoy the game and um, ended up speaking to uh, uh, a psychologist around that enjoyment piece and just making the most of that those situations because I, I just wasn't having fun at that time and, uh, and then towards the end of 2021, I felt like I was starting to get my mojo back a little bit, as it were, I was starting to enjoy it, starting to improve once again. Um, start of 2022 was, was quite positive as well. I was picking a, a couple of wins um, and just kind of when I thought, okay, I'm finding some form again in April 22, I uh, tore my quad. Mm, um okay. My, uh, my, my rec fem rec femoris uh, rec femoral um, had a grade two, bordering on grade three, but at the end of grade two uh, tear in, in, in the in the in the quad there, which is you know one of the one of the bigger muscles in the leg, and it was up into the hip ligaments as well. So it was right at the top of the quad into the hip, and as my uh, strength and conditioning. Trainer Nathan uh, constantly reminds me it was very close to being a career-threatening injury, very close to being sort of nine months out type scenario as well. Uh, So that was in April of, of 2022. And of course... You know, um, the Commonwealth Games last year in Birmingham were, were, were the were the big thing that I'd been gearing up towards for the last few years. So at that time, that was obviously quite worrying because the doctors and the physios at the start gave me roughly a 50% chance of being able to make it back for the Games, which were at the end of July, start of August. So my season... Um, ended in April uh, I wasn't able to obviously play again after that that was two uh, to three months recovery um just to get back for the for the games which I managed to just but that was my first bit of competitive outing and the leg was probably at about 80 percent when I went into those games really uh, mm. and uh, and then straight on on the tour uh, after their after their um, end of August the game's finished I think early August and we went straight on tour a couple of weeks later sort of Qatar and Nantes and you know those great events Um, and I I was playing I was having a a good run again feeling like I was finding some form uh, again in August uh, September uh, off the back of the quad tear and then of course um, in, in November we, we had the, the Achilles so it's been uh, it's been a tough uh, year and a half, tough 18 months and I haven't played a full season on the, on the PSA World Tours since 2019 because yeah. of uh, the, the COVID scenarios and then the the quad and then the Achilles. Um, so over the last three years, I haven't really played all that much competitive squash. Um, so you know, I'm just I'm just looking forward to and hopeful now that I get a clean run of health. Really, that's the, the main priority is to keep the body injury free. And uh, um, I did have a very good sort of ten years from eighteen, nineteen to twenty eight in terms of injuries of. Hardly missed an event in ten years on the tour, so I'm very that's fortunate. Saying, that's saying a lot, on. isn't
0: it, for for a guy your yeah. size and the, to be playing this sport.
1: I'm a big guy. I'm six foot four. I'm ninety kilograms. I'm probably one of the heaviest and tallest guys on the tour. Um, and I had a great run for ten years uh, in terms of uh, my health. So I was very grateful for that and take that for granted. And uh, you know, as we said earlier, everyone gets the big injuries at some point. So. Um, it was probably always going to happen, so you know that also allowed me to not worry about it too much you know? but as I say, hopefully now I can just get a nice period of of uh, of, a, of a few seasons without anything bad, anything really bad happening.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Just one second now at uh, the doggies uh, hello. okay there she <laughs> she's okay now. Uh, yeah, was it the same leg the the quad? Uh...
1: Yeah, it was actually
0: okay. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, who knows what that might've, uh, if that I'm sure your doctors might've said it could have attributed to, uh, what happened later on, obviously, but
1: yeah, they said I had a tendinopathy in my, uh, in my hip, in my left hip, there was a, there was a tendinopathy, uh, there, um, which obviously means that you've, uh, not all is, is completely well. So, uh, yeah. And I was doing a lot of work to try and strengthen that left leg at the time. And I was starting to move well again off off the left leg um, around the time that the quad, uh the, the Achilles went following the quad. So I was starting to, to, to feel good again. But I suppose, you know, once you feel like you're able to put those big movements on you, then obviously exposing that area to more stress. Um, and so, yeah, they don't, they also don't know a great deal about why the Achilles things happen. Um, there's not all that much research behind it. Just, in terms gen- of is just it
0: generally, how- you mean? Just generally
1: speaking oh, yeah. in terms of Is it hereditary? Can they see it ahead of time? They don't know a great deal around why. Uh, We just know that it happens in a lot of explosive sports, you know, track and field athletes, sprinters, uh, footballers, basketball players, tennis players, squash players, where there's a lot of speed involved, um, a lot of explosivity. Uh, We we know it happens to these athletes. So just one of those things, uh, Jerry. just one of those things. Uh,
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think you've taken it all in in stride and uh, you've had the right, I think, the right mentality, but didn't you, I want to pull up this quote. So I, I wrote it down. You quoted Churchill in the PSA Ooh. piece. <laughs> you said and when uh, Churchill said, uh, when you're going through hell, keep going, why stop in hell? So no, exactly. I mean, uh, when you're in the, in that space, when you're struggling, I guess, I guess, when, when did that come? When did you uh, think of uh, Churchill? Uh, when did you pull that quote? Was it during a dark some dark moments shortly after that
1: was uh yeah that was that was the post when i uh, announced that uh snapped the achilles and that the uh, the season was 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 over uh, i've always been a big history fan i uh, i'm really interested in history uh, world war history and i think it's important to learn about you know how we've got to the situations that are in today and what uh, what sacrifices were given for us to be here today and these kind of things and it just goes back to the um, not feeling sorry for yourself as well um, because it's like, all right, cool things uh, are obviously pretty tough now. And yeah, you'd love to be playing, but you're in this situation now. There's absolutely nothing you can do about it. So if you sit around and, and, and pity yourself, it's going to do you absolutely no, no good at all. So, you know, you've got to uh, deal with the, the, the cards that you've been dealt and, uh, and you've got to crack on them. Life's yeah. gonna kick life's gonna kick you many, many times. It's not all sunshine and rainbows. It's it's suffering mm-hmm. and it's hard Absolutely. times and and, and it's sh- and that's the way it is, that's the way it should be. Uh, so yeah, I am not I'm not interested in feeling feeling sorry for myself or looking for any pity. I, I should get my head down and crack on with things because at the end of the day I'm incredibly fortunate to be playing sport for a living, uh, when many people um don't have that that uh, that privilege. So uh yeah, put a crack on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. One one of your uh, you know one of your the competitors out there on on the PSA tour, Yusuf Ibrahim. We were talking uh, recently, and he had some injury issues. Nothing like what you uh, went through, but uh, serious enough. And uh, I think he went through a period where he was playing through. And obviously, your your injury had you know there was nothing you could do about it. But he, uh, I think he played through like a lot, a lot of pain and took painkillers and things like that. And at the end of the day, uh, after all was said and done, he had to sit out for quite a, quite a while uh, as a result. And and, and he's, he admitted to, to saying, you know, he was a bit stubborn. So how, uh, how difficult has it been for you? Uh, and maybe a lot of people can learn from this, like uh, how difficult has it been for, for you not to take it too far during the, the rehab process? Because obviously as a player, you want to get out there, you know, when you start playing matches, you might want to think, okay, I, I think I can push it a little further uh, here today. Uh, did you have, did you struggle uh, containing yourself that way?
1: Not really, not really because I, I would say I'm a sensible level headed person for the most part. I think I can say that. And I trust my team implicitly in terms of my coach um, my trainer, my physios, the doctors, England Squash, everyone on my team, you know, have been there for a good number of years and we've been through injuries and tough times together. So when they, you know, prescribe advice, I listen to it and um, mm-hmm. people in the, the health profession, I think are always gonna wear on the side of caution of these things and I think rightly so because one of the ways that I looked at it was, okay, the season's over pretty much before it started. It's going to be nine months to a year out. So I'm not coming back to play again this season. It's going to be next season before I can play. We've just had a Commonwealth Games. The World Championships isn't in sight. Um, That's later on in the season. So what am I rushing back for? The start of the season when... I can play events anyway from October, November. Um, fair enough, I have, the recovery has actually gone quicker than anyone expected it to. And I probably could have started a month earlier, but I'm happy with how things have been handled. Um, and I think it was right to be overly cautious with this kind of injury. And And I was also really quite surprised with what I was able to do early on. Um, the, toughest part was probably post-operation when I was in the, the, the foot goes into a cast for three weeks and that's when the doctor basically says look I don't even really want you to leave your apartment I want you to just sit down Keep your feet up for three weeks. That was probably the hardest part because I love. I'm in the gym every day. I just have to be active. If I don't do something, um, you know, I start to start to go a bit loopy. So yeah, I always have to be in the gym, keeping keeping healthy, and it keeps my mind ticking over. So the hardest part was that three week period when I wasn't able to do any training. From there, the foot then goes into the boot for around about six weeks, and almost straight away, I was able to go to the gym, do the upper body work. Um, uh, do some leg bits where you're sort of isolating the foot, some of the leg machines, maybe just a bit on the right leg bits where you don't have to um, engage those calf or foot muscles at all. I was able to go on the bike after a few weeks, even in the boots. Got to ask you about st- the
0: bike later, though. Okay. Oh, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if uh, you I, want I, to open that kind of words, Jerry. i do, here I do. I'm, I'm a big bike. <laughs> I'm a big bike. Guy. Okay.
1: We'll be here till tomorrow. um so yeah uh spinning over slowly uh, on the bike doing the upper body exercises and so it must have been about four or five weeks maybe five weeks after the operation that i was able to get go into the gym for the first day and that was what a day that was for me that was great just being able to go into the gym and do some upper body work and and see everyone, and just walk around, and get on a few machines. That was great. Just, just it made me feel really grateful that I could even go and do something. Um, and and so, and from there, it really did. You know, every week there was a bit of progress and improvement, and being able to go and do some weights again, and do a little bit more on the bike, and um, start using more parts of the leg again and so and then four months after the opera or four months after the injury pretty much to the day was when i went back on for my first solo practice so that was another milestone as well um and at that at that point it was just static hitting, just standing on the spot but even that was great and, yeah. and honestly the time has flown by it really has because every week there's been a little bit of improvement so yeah, to answer your question, I haven't really felt like I've been held back, if anything it's been surprising how much I've been able to do um, but, uh, but I appreciate that the, the, these things that it takes time to, to, to get that confidence in, in, in putting all of your force through that foot again into those lunge positions, that's going to take Time and it's going to take tournaments and a couple of months of getting into tournaments, playing at that pace again, with the adrenaline, and the nerves. So yeah, I'm realistic about that. But um, yeah, uh, it's I haven't I haven't felt like it's it's been a, a, a dragged out process at all, to be honest.
0: Yeah, uh, now I was just wondering, um, you know, during that process, obviously, like you said, you took it step by step. Um, so was it more of like a process towards getting, uh, back on court and playing, like what was the process like to getting back on court and playing like your first sort of full, full game, full match, I guess. Everything, all the
1: bits of progress were based around markers in the gym, um, that the physios, uh, prescribed. And a lot of it was around calf strength and, um, you know, how much volume I could do in terms of the calf raise exercises, how much force I could put through the calf and the foot. And those markers were really important uh, in terms of them being able to make those lunge patterns and those movements. So as soon as I did something in the gym or met a marker in the gym, I was able to then go do a little bit more on the court. And it was kind of around about, what was it? Um, I think September time. Mm. Uh, maybe even August. It might have been at the end of August. I think it was when I played like a graded event down in uh, in Canterbury in Kent, which is kind so of you, like you
0: a... played. You've played competition, then.
1: Yeah, so I played a yeah, play uh, played yeah. Yeah, like a friendly, com- friendly competition. Um, about six weeks ago, seven weeks ago, down in Canterbury, and uh, and and I was I was absolutely uh, fit enough to be on the court playing a match at that point, but I wasn't maybe a point where okay i want to play a, a beyond the tour it was just a real let's get a gauge of where the level is where the movement is um so it was absolutely fine and safe to be doing that but just in terms of let's get a couple of matches and then see what the reaction is and then see how much further we've got to go and um, so yeah sort of uh, end of august was the first time that i played any kind of uh, practice matches if you like and then i've had another couple of months since then to be able go and fine tune those last bits
0: right on yeah that i mean that's basically why i I was thinking of reaching out to you uh, a few maybe a month or so ago which is when right around when i think I, i started to notice you were back on court maybe through your instagram feeds or other guys that you're training with had posted some stuff but you mentioned um your team and you mentioned nick matthew and i just he was my most recent episode he uh came on the other day and he was fantastic uh, and you know what he's like he's uh he's so passionate and such a good guy uh, a great guy to talk to he spoke glowingly of your of what you're you're talking about right now your whole process uh, your work ethic uh, um so what's what has it been like uh for you working with nick and um just in terms of also what what has he brought to the table uh for your game
1: can't speak highly enough of nick uh we started working together pretty much right before uh, the covid situation i think so a few years ago, but then obviously in that first year, year and a half, we couldn't really spend that much time actually face-to-face. So it was kind of 2021, really, before we started doing proper work together on court. He's it, just been absolutely unbelievable. He's he, he's taken the approach that he had to his career, to his coaching, which is meticulous, leave no stone unturned, incredibly professional. He's very caring, very compassionate towards players as well uh, as well um you know it was a great setup over at hallamshire and we, yeah we've it, it's not been a complete right we need to overhaul your game and you need to start playing like me or whatever it's just been you're a reasonably good player you've played at a high level how can we increase that how can we add little bits here and there to make you the player that you want to be so there's been an incredible amount of attention to detail with things like my short game um, with the efficiency of movement because Nick was incredibly efficient I oh, yeah which is why he basically never got tired on court because he just moved so efficiently and it's very hard to break down his movement patterns and of course we know uh, about his volleying uh, capabilities so it was really I wanted to learn as much about that as I possibly could being more efficient and being a big guy it was an effort for me to get around the court so I knew that I could make improvements there I knew I could make improvements with my short game so it's been a a long evolving process and everything Every week we're kind of picking up little bits here and there, but it's just such a good environment to work in. And, uh, and I've, you know, there, 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 there were a couple of seasons there where a lot of my performances were subpar and he wasn't kind of berating me and saying, you know, this isn't good enough. It was it was very much like, you know, we're going to get there, we're going to get there, it just it takes time. Don't don't worry and, you know, back to work, what do need to do to get better? Um, so when a lot of people have maybe lost faith in... in 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 my trajectory and what I was capable of, he always kept the faith. And I think that's the thing that stuck with me the most because I always had faith in myself and I never got too down on myself. But it would have been quite easy for people behind me to say, oh, look, you're kind of struggling here. You're not really really performing as well as you should be. But he's been brilliant. And again, through the injury, um, you know, we've been in constant communication. And uh, yeah, uh, really very, very appreciative of... um, of the wolf yeah
0: yes <laughs> um now you mentioned uh, you know you're a big guy you're 64 uh, i'm 62 in a little bit and uh you know yeah. i i sort of i never really had issues with, with uh you know mo- movement on the court or you know never had issues with blocking or uh, uh interference and things like that but it was uh, for a big guy like you and another bigger fellow your doubles partner James Wilstrip. Uh, how do you uh, I mean going back to the tour now there've been a few changes since you left i think they're they're kind of clamping down on on movement patterns and and things like that so do you, do you, uh how do you find, what what has your experience been like in that in that regard over the years just in terms of uh, your movement uh, and uh, in, and things navigation on the court in your matches.
1: I mean, I'm reasonably confident. Uh, you, you couldn't call me a blocker. <laughs> I don't no. think. Uh, I, don't I think hope, I, hope I didn't. Are. I hope
0: I wasn't saying. Not, that. not in the slightest. Not <laughs> hope in the didn't slightest. Didn't come off though. like that. <laughs> I, I'd be has, surprised. number two.
1: Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah I'd be, be surprised if there were many many players on the tour thought I was a blocker. I hope that they don't.
0: Um,
1: no. I mean, yeah. I think from my, for I guess, a big point, guy. Yeah, I think from my own personal point of view, my, my movement can improve in terms of the patterns and the efficiency, but I don't think I've ever had an issue in terms of getting in the way of other opponents. If anything, it's just the way that I've moved has been has demanded so much of me physically that that's where my, my shortcomings have have been. But um, yeah, you mentioned James and it's a perfect example. No player in their right mind is ever going to say James Walsh drops a blocker. Um, yeah. You know, he's the... Uh, he's the model professional and gentleman on the court and uh, look at someone like Ali Farag, you know, yeah. the absolute model professional. Um, and uh, if you can go, if he can go about his game with such a level of class and respect and clean patterns of play, then what excuse oh. does anyone else have? He's, he's the best player in the world. He's the world number one. Um, and he plays the game in absolutely the right way. So, that's always been the way that I've looked at it I've and I've also had a, a, been fortunate to have a very um, good upbringing with, with loving parents who um, sort of commanded respect and, and, and demanded that I went about life respecting other people and doing things the right way. So it's always frustrating when you've got the nonsense that goes on with certain plays on the tour um, you know, there's, there's obviously infamous people that have that have brought the game down um, from its pedestal uh, with, with the with the movement patterns, the blocking. And it's uh, it's not before long that these uh, it's um, that these changes uh, have come in. I'm glad that they have. I haven't read uh, up into the rules too much. I'm probably going to have to give myself a little refresher before I go back on tour. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's about time that they that they clamped down on all the speaking to refs, the the arguing, the movement patterns. It's, you know, the sport has been made to look like a shambles in the last couple of seasons that that I've been absent. I mean, it's, you know, half the time... If I'm watching certain play, i just turn it off because I think this is just ridiculous. And, uh, you know, obviously, obviously we've got the Rugby World Cup going on at the moment and I'm not the biggest rugby fan, don't get me wrong, but, you know, you take a sport like that and it's all, uh, the, the communication with the ref is all, yes, sir, please, sir, thank mm-hmm. you, sir. And squashing is a little bit of that. So, yeah, for me, in terms of the answering back, the arguing, um, the, the the blocking, that needs to be eradicated from the game because, you know, no one wins. No one wins, which make ourselves look like a laughing stock um, to other sports. I mean, what other sport do you get so much dialogue between player and referee? Yeah, I can't really think. Sometimes
0: I find it extremely appalling uh, that way. But we had uh, yesterday. I don't know if you saw. There was a match. Uh, one one of the players got disqualified in the fifth game. So.
1: I didn't see that
0: was at the US Open. Yeah, yeah, uh, it was Dimitri Steinman against he got, Brownell. He got a conduct. He got a game. Conduct game in the fifth. Yeah. Wow. I didn't yeah. see so that. Yeah, you go and. I'm sure you'll see the highlights of it. But uh, he, yeah, he, yeah, definitely, it was. Uh, he stuck his arm out, stuck his leg out on purpose, and uh, the referee just, yeah, gave uh, awarded the match to Timmy there in the fifth but he was Tim Tim was well ahead uh, in the fifth but
1: well, yeah, I mean, if, if you did that, they're good. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there the, needs to be a much more zero-tolerance policy when it comes to um, – it's very different if you're querying something. If, if, if you feel like you've been harshly done by and you're genuinely asking the ref what line do you want me to take or where do you want me mm-hmm. to go so we can avoid these situations next time, there's a very fine line with that. And we don't want to go so far as to say you're not allowed to say a word to me or ask a question about how we can clean the game. The game up if, if players are getting each other's way but as soon as you get the question as soon as you get the sort of uh the disrespectful dialogue the back and forth that that's got to come to a, a stop for for me and if they, they've now made a big uh move to to start that process then, then great i think it'll start to help things and we want more in, uninterrupted play don't we really
0: absolutely yeah your your comparison to uh to rugby is apt uh, right now. I th- uh, like, I don't know anything about rugby, but I do. I've seen a few of the games and the way they interact with officials. Uh, I mean that you know, that's what we should be striving for. And uh, you know, if we want to, if, if players want to question an official, they should do it respectfully. And and the tone that what gets me a lot of the times is just the tone of the players uh, question questioning or asking an official for something. It, it's appalling sometimes.
1: I think there also needs to be more inclusion of the players with the decisions that are made in terms of the refereeing, I'm not sure how much sitting down is happening between players, the refs, the PSA to all get together in a room and, and and talk about how we think the game should be refed. I'm not sure if that happens but it makes sense to me that it should if it isn't already because we're the guys that are on the guys and the girls that are on court, it's you know, we have a very good understanding of how the game works, and I feel like we should be in those conversations. Of actually, no, I don't think that should be a let. And the way that the game is 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 kind of uh, officiated. And, and don't get me wrong, I, I do feel that sometimes the referees speak um, in a patronising manner to the players. I don't think the referees mm. are perfect either, but. You've got human nature. It's a two-way conversation that the players must be very respectful to the referees when they address them. And equally, the referees... shouldn't think that they're in a position where they can talk down to players because that also makes matters worse. What you've got to remember, Jerry, is that when you're in the heat of the battle, it's a very, very stressful situation being a player on the court there. It's, it's tough for the ref because they're in the hot seat, but the players, the heart the heart rate's at 180 beats per minute, you're having to make decisions very quick, and you're under a lot of stress. So it's not always easy to have a complete lid on things. So there has to be a bit of leeway um, And I think we just need to come to uh, an agreement where this is the acceptable way to speak to each other. Um, This amount of questioning is not allowed. This is... So I think you might see a period now for a few months where they take it too far the other way because they're trying to clamp down. That's maybe natural. But then we need to meet and have a balance of how those interactions take place.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, when... when, you, You do see it happen uh on occasion where referees can be a bit patronizing and and speaking down to the players uh uh, i've seen that happen as well so uh yeah let's see how it goes over the next little while i I guess what i was getting at was uh you know getting back on tour they've made a few you're you're going to be playing in qatar next week your first event back so just wondering uh are you aware of the there's some slight subtle little changes like when you You know, ask for lets and get moving to the ball. And sometimes you might think, oh, there's a bit of interference there. And they might say, well, you should have played the ball that that seems uh, to be happening quite a bit. So is that in the back of your mind? Like, uh, you know, I'm going to make more of an effort to play the ball as opposed to maybe uh, asking for a let when there's interference.
1: Yeah, I get the feeling that that's kind of the way things have been going for the last few months as well. And even um, at, at towards the end of, uh, of last year when I was, when I was uh, playing as well, I, I got that feeling that it was something that I started to bring into my game, that asking for a lot a lot less lets where I possibly could and making sure that I was trying to move around the players just because I think you need to err on the side of caution. And yeah, I understand that if they're going to go more with the molette line because of uh, minimal interference, then that's the way the game's being breathed, so you need to adapt as a player. So yeah, I've got no problem with that, and I suppose there's a couple of the little things like asking if you can go to the towel and um, change to the review system as well. So yeah, these are the things, uh, I'm sure. How
0: much experience do you have with the towel, Declan?
1: uh not asking uh, i don't have zero experience asking if i can go to the towel i was never one okay. but went to it uh, every third point like some players anyway but so uh, yeah i've got no problem uh, sticking my hand up and asking if i can go to the towel, go to the
0: towel <laughs> yeah. i like the towel I, I i use the towel on court in my social matches now i've got to-
1: I'm glad that I'm glad that they've made um, kind of allowed this the hand wiping stuff as well, because that whole, you are not allowed to wipe your hand which is absolutely yeah, nonsense. Yeah. It's, it's just yeah. some it's something that's been part of the game for a long time. It is. It makes a big difference.
0: Mm. Um, so so it's to like remember, a logical like, part of the game for a lot of players. You know, you you wipe your hand and you, you, you know, the next point, move on to the next point.
1: Yeah, it's part of a part of a, a routine that I had pre-rally. Yes, that was really annoying during <laughs> during COVID when we couldn't do that. And I just yeah, when they say don't wipe your hands, it's like, what are we talking about here? There's a bit of sweat on the wall. It's you know, why are we trying to make everything squeaky clean? It's just yeah, I think the towel was a great addition. But yeah, you've got to have some common sense as well, right?
0: Yeah. Uh, so you're off to uh, Qatar. You're leaving in a couple days. Yeah. Um, first. I'm leaving tomorrow. Yeah. You're leaving tomorrow. Okay. You, yeah. yeah. Uh, so you've got uh, the winner of Ali Hussein and Khalid uh, Labib, I guess both young Egyptian guys, um, new guys for you. Have you heard of these fellas? I've heard of uh, um, Ali Hussein. I've, I've seen his name around. but
1: uh, Yeah, yeah. I've just asked a couple of guys about him and I'm uh, going to go back and, and watch a bit of the videos of those guys. And yeah, I've obviously not played either of them or come across them uh, in person. So yeah, look, I mean, just looking forward to being back on. Uh, on the tour playing another match, getting the competitive juices flowing, you know, for the next few months, it really doesn't matter who I'm playing and at what stage. It's just get get on there and get some experience again, uh, get get the engines flowing. Um, so yeah, I'm just happy to be back on court, Joe. And then it's a
0: check after that. Check the check open.
1: Check open. Yeah, looks like a pretty cool event last year. Didn't play that one, so. Um, oh, actually, I'm playing a 30k in France in between those two okay. uh, at La Rochelle again, which I did play last year. Uh, so I'm going to yeah, La Rochelle two weeks after uh, Qatar and then the week after that we're over in Czech. So just trying to get myself in as many events. There's obviously not any Platinum's now until Hong Kong, so but yeah. obviously I'm not uh, over in Philadelphia. Um, so just trying to play as many events as I can in the next few months and uh, get some miles back at the, in the tank.
0: Get some miles back in the tank and uh, get the ranking up there a little bit bit higher where it should be, right?
1: Yeah, well, it's nice because I've got, I think, two tournaments on my ranking now when I last checked, so I'm about 250 in the world. Uh, But as I was saying with my coach the other day, it's like, you know, there's probably only the start of your career and if you have a major injury that you're ever going to find yourself in a place where you're at the bottom of the ranking with one tournament on, and every time you go to a tournament, those points are going to help you rank in. So I've basically got a free season now uh, where it really doesn't matter in terms of the results. So I can just go out there and enjoy myself and try and improve and try and put good uh, good performances in. So it's a good position to be in there.
0: Brilliant. Uh, now, Declan, before you go, I ju- uh, had not spoken to you, I don't think, since, uh, you know, I guess what I'm assuming would be one of your crowning achievements, winning a gold medal at the Commonwealth Games. And we talked about James earlier. Uh, he was your doubles partner there. So uh, just wouldn't mind if you you know, look back at that uh, for a little bit. What was it like? Uh, first of all, uh, what did winning that gold uh, medal, where does that rank amongst the uh, amongst the, your achievements in the game?
1: easily the top of the pile yeah, in, yeah. in my career as a squash player quite quite comfortably you know one of the best days of my life uh, just an unbelievably fulfilling moment it's something that I quite genuinely I don't like to sound cliche but I've quite genuinely dreamed about that moment in the years leading up to it on numerous occasions I, I had dreams about <laughs> about winning a gold medal um yeah I just uh, wow uh, it's, where, uh, where is it now? Really so it's hang,
0: it's hang, hanging on the mantelpiece somewhere? Or? Yeah, it's in my it's in my wardrobe actually. It's in my okay. wardrobe. But, right uh, yeah, okay. so I will uh, I
1: will frame it or something one day, maybe when I've stopped. Um, yeah, just you know, it's uh, wow, what what a thing that was, and, and you know, I remember back in two thousand and two, uh, the Commonwealth Games are in Manchester, where our National Centre is, and my dad took me. Uh, I was nine years old at the time and that was kind of my first taste of professional squash and my dad took me, uh, we drove up to Manchester and watched doubles. So that was kind of my first taste of what this all was all about, watching doubles in the Commonwealth Games. And then, you know, every Commonwealth Games from there on was glued to the TV. Yeah. 2006 in Melbourne, watching James and Nick battle it out, And then, you know, 10 and 14 as well. Just every time it was on, I'd be just glued to the TV screen watching it. And then obviously was fortunate to go out to Gold Coast in 2018 and play with James as well there. So to play uh, in the Commonwealth Games with someone that I've grown up idolizing and watching since like 2006. And I'm there playing alongside him uh, in a home Commonwealth Games. I mean, I just can't. Describe to you how unbelievable a feeling that was. Um, parents there, friends there, home crowd. Uh, I don't think it will get that much better than, than that in my, in my career. Yeah, what, what a moment. And, and um, just, just gave me an, a, an extreme sense of gratitude as well. And when the injury came along, uh, the Achilles as well, it made me think, well, wow, imagine if, if this had happened uh, in June. Um, yeah, yeah. before the Commonwealth Games uh, then I really would have been in a in a dark place so just gave me a lot of gratitude for the year that I had in 22 even despite two major injuries that I was able to be fit and healthy for that month was kind of all that mattered really
0: So did you guys spend uh, a lot of time on the doubles court like uh, tra- doing doubles training or uh, did you just, Oh my word, just- yeah yeah. Digit. Okay. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, from two and a half years out of, of the Commonwealth Games, we start practicing doubles. Uh, so yeah, next uh, next summer we'll be getting ready for 26. But um, yeah, yeah, two two and a half years out, we start doing doubles uh, specific squads. We get together for three days every few weeks, every month or so, uh, and it's just doubles, doubles, doubles. Uh, the year before, we'll play the World Doubles Championships to get a gauge of where our level is. So. Apart from that, lots of conversations on the phone, lots of sitting down with Jimbo making notes, video analysis, a lot of work went into that. A lot you must know the
0: game. This. You must know the game really well now. Uh, having I'd
1: like to think I'd like to think we do. Yeah, we've played yeah. together since 2017. Um, so uh, yeah, we, we have a pretty special friendship. and I'd like to think we know. Uh, you know, a thing or two about uh, playing a game of doubles, and it's, uh, it's in so much different to singles, Jerry. It's a completely different game. Hard to describe, but the angles, the, the lower, much lower tin, the dynamic, the mental side, it's exhausting mentally to play doubles. The way um, you play so- your,
0: your, your singles game, especially on your forehand, you can put that forehand away pretty pretty well. I mean, that's got to be an attribute for you on the doubles court. I've played hardball, the the... Canadian North American version uh, a little bit. Yeah, and, uh, I mean that's pretty wild. You probably fare pretty well in the in the hardball doubles, I'd say. But was that is that forehand? Uh, you know, your one of your strengths in, in your singles game. Obviously, uh, did, was that something that you'd look to uh, to take advantage of in the doubles court?
1: Yeah, so I do actually play on the backhand with Jimbo, but we okay. definitely we definitely tried to uh, structure the patterns around. Any time the ball went down the middle of the court, I would take a little bit more on on the forehand side because if it goes down the middle channels, obviously that's my forehand and Jimbo's backhand. So where I could, I would cover the middle and try and threaten the straight kill into the forehand corner. But uh, I'm sort of fairly consistent down the backhand side. So I would take the backhand wing and try and contain... And be structured with the straight lines and take the pressure off Jimbo and then create opportunities for him if I can then take the ball on the backhand and be quite steep and someone has to then hit up, Jimbo on the forehand is unbelievable, his touch, yeah. his deception is outrageous on the forehand so he would hit a lot of winners quite often and I would contain uh, and defend on the backhand side but it, we worked together very well, we just had a good communication with each other, a good relationship so yeah, we, we just kind of we just played together really
0: well that's brilliant well uh, declan you uh you have to go pack don't you Well, you can't you can't let me go without talking to me about cycling surely oh free! oh i forgot about that absolutely <laughs> <bad>. <laughs> yeah me i had it on my notes here and everything i'm a big like that that's the i don't do a lot of 5k runs or sprints anymore just because my i got a bit of a bad hip uh, these days so i saved my that kind of running for the for the squash but the the bike training yeah, i'm yeah. all in i'm all in so what what's your go to uh sort of bike training session what do you do i'll I'll tell you what i do just quickly uh i sure. do um it's like 40 about 40 minutes but i do 3 minutes up to like a level 15 on the bike yeah 20 level uh and up around 100 over 100 for 3 oh, yeah, minutes yeah. and then uh i take about a minute break and i do that for 40 minutes
1: oh great stuff and do you do what do you go on the road bike as well or each to the gym
0: just the the normal well, the stationary bike i guess so
1: the exercise bike yeah yeah good good okay so it's just, i don't know it's if that's a, uh,
0: that's very rudimentary perhaps but uh what's your what's your go to uh session <laughs>
1: I suppose I suppose the session I've done the most in my career, and my trainer will laugh as I as I tell you this, but uh, the three three minutes on, ninety seconds off is a session that I've uh, kind of made my bread and butter over the years, I suppose. Um, so I'll do eight or nine uh, repetitions uh, of three minutes on, nine seconds off on the watt bike. So uh, we tend to do all of our training on the watt bike just because you can measure your your output. Uh, on the watts uh, which is really important and obviously we've got kind of our heart rate data linked to as well Um, so I've done that over my career I mean there's a lot of mixture as well I do uh, in the off-season I've got a road bike so I do quite a few road miles with my friends uh, and then I'll do some top-end stuff where it's kind of like 15 seconds on 30 seconds off like explosive yeah. uh, type stuff but yeah the majority of what I do on the bike is kind of something like three minutes on nine seconds off because it's good to get those kind of really hard 90 percent plus efforts where you're sort of going quite deep and then having a bit of time to recover and then going again and, and yeah that session's 40 minutes but it's a good replication for squash so yeah
0: yeah, that's what I find. I found uh, my fitness levels are at a at a pretty decent level, and I, I go. It's a level fifteen not that high. It's not nowhere near what you're doing, but uh, I, I find I can get the speed up, and uh, I'm my heart rate's up. I'm mm-hmm. good workout, and it, it replicates. It, it translates on the squash court pretty well for me. So, absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah well, that was it. That was my question about cycling, uh, Decker. Always happy talking about cycling, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Any, anyhow, mate, uh, I want to just say it's great. It's going to be great to see you back on court again, and uh, just you. keep up the good fight. And uh, all the best in Qatar.
1: Thanks a lot, Jerry. Great to catch up with you again, and uh, all the
0: best. Well, many thanks to Declan for that, and uh, great to see him back on court again, back playing the PSA tour. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him playing at that 2019 level, which saw him uh, reach uh, number 15 in the world. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets to that point again, and hopefully even further. Uh, all the best to Declan going forward, and hopefully we can have him back on. Really love chatting uh, with him. Really good guy, and uh, want to wish him all the best uh, in the continued uh, success with his recovery. Uh, Now, plenty of content to look forward to here on the podcast, so stay tuned, and I hope you enjoyed uh, the recent ones with Jamie Maddox. That stirred up a little bit of fire uh, amongst the the polarized squash community and some of the the topics that were discussed there. And, of course, uh, the Nick Matthew Matthew Epp received some great reviews, so if you um, want to check those two out amongst others in the library, it's all there for you. Uh, Check it out. Uh, You can check it out on Spotify on SoundCloud. I think just about any uh, podcast platform will have the Insquash podcast. Give us a like, give us a retweet, share it uh, with your friends at your club and whatnot. So uh, really appreciate you listening and if you want to contribute to the Insquash podcast, Uh, cause please do so via the soundcloud platform where there's a paypal link uh, just to the right of where all the uh, the podcasts are listed there so everybody uh, speak to you again very soon Uh, we're going to be talking uh, uh, about the u.s open in a few days we'll have someone on to discuss that with me and uh, enjoy those matches tonight goodbye now